Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hello, ABG listeners. It is Mel. Before we start today's episode, I want to share some very exciting news. ABG is turning five this September. Five years old. That's so crazy. And we want to celebrate with you all in the city where it all started, Los Angeles. So if you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us for our happy hour social event on September 16th on Friday. Join us for a night of drinks themed after episodes, our whole team, light bites, and a bunch of ABG listeners. Make new friends, say hi to us, take photos, and just join us to celebrate our fifth birthday. For more information, check our show notes. Can't wait to see you all there. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. And I'm Kulap. Today's guest is a multi-hyphenate storyteller. Born in Washington, D.C. to Lao refugees, Kulop grew up in Minnesota. She is an actress, comedian, writer, producer, and co-hosts Add to Cart with Sujin Pak, who we interviewed in episode 181 a podcast about what the ladies buy and what that says about who they are. A quick look at Kulop's IMBD credits reveals not only her decades-long career as an actress, but also her well-versed experience in various aspects of TV and film. She is the creator and showrunner for Bajillion Dollar Properties and is also known for guest roles on Bob's Burgers, The Office, The Sarah Silverman Program, Parks and Recreation, Happy Endings, and more. In 2017, Kulop released her debut documentary, Origin Story, a deeply personal journey that follows her from California to Minnesota Minnesota and Laos as she looks for her biological father. Storytelling is clearly core to who Kulop is, and we're so excited to chat with her today about her path to entertainment, her origin story, and her podcast. Please join us in a warm welcome to Kulop. Thank you so much for joining us, Kulop. We're so excited to have you on this episode. I actually um, saw you on a panel like two years ago for Hate is a Virus, and I was like, wow, this girl is a powerhouse. Thank you. And I just wanted to learn more. Uh, we did some research and some stalking on you, and it feels you know, great. Thanks. You know, <laughs> we had to do our, you know, our homework. Um, I know you shared in other interviews that you aspire to be the Asian Shonda Rhimes. I'm. Can you please share with us, yes. about this dream and what does that mean to you? Oh, I felt a wave of shame because what? that is my that's my heart's desire. But I have this is so Asian, and I'm with you guys. I know I'm with like common <laughs> company, as I have not met that right. expectation. And I, in and not a rate that is satisfying to me, <laughs> but I want that. I want that oh. so bad. I want to, I want to, um, oh, Shonda Rhimes is someone I absolutely admire and look up to. Um, and she, she creates worlds. She, and, and mm. not only does she do that, those worlds are hit TV shows. Yeah. I mean, she lifts up women and and pocs you know not to be base huge deal at netflix like all all of the stuff <laughs> true. Yeah. all of the stuff and so uh, you know i said that after i um after i i had a show called bajillion dollar properties which was on CISO, which was basically peacock mm. 1.0 <laughs> um because it was an nbc streamer but d- it failed <laughs> it simply failed. Got it. Um, so I did four seasons of a show called Bajillion Dollar Properties. And I, I I made that bold quote after, you know, during press for that. And ladies, I have not sold a single idea since. Honestly, I feel like right now the market's extremely competitive. So give yourself some credit for having a show four seasons. Thank you. What inspired, like, was it like, has she always been your like, dream person to emulate or like when did that I guess like come about well okay so I started in the industry as an actor 
and did that for like many years. And one of my most notable roles was a season three of The Office, the Benihana Christmas episode. Mm. And so I have uh, been been very fortunate to work on amazing sets with amazing um, people, a lot of people whom I came up with and met at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. But then it got to a place where, like, you know, I, I, I just wasn't getting as much out of that part of the business. Mm-hmm. Just so that it's clear, I, and, I, and you guys know I'm self-aware, it wasn't as if, like, they were knocking on the door and I was like, no. <laughs> but it was at a place where it's like, oh, man, I'm a creative person. Mm-hmm. I frankly want more control. I mm-hmm. want to be on the other side of the casting uh, mm-hmm. table. Um, I I want to choose. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I, too, have to be chosen <laughs> to choose. To have the ability to choose, but I, I wanted something where I could steadily, steadily be creative. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I sold Bajillion and got to experience what it was like to be to create a show and to show run, and it really was like, you know, my background in terms of schooling. I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I didn't go to film school. The Bajillion Dollar Properties was my film school because I I, I just learned um, through doing and of course it's it's the it's the writing it's the production but also post production I love it I loved it and so really that came from that place of like oh I really I feel so fulfilled in this role this is so fun I love who I work with I love what we're doing together I want to do more of this mm-hmm. but prior to that you know. I didn't I didn't know. I really didn't know. And honestly, one of my EPs, it was Thomas Lennon, who people may know from Reno 911. He plays Lieutenant Dangle, who is the short shorts. <laughs> he, he, he was like, we sold the show and he was like, cool up, you'll show run. And I was like, yes, I will. Wow. So it just took that one person to give you the opportunity and really one project for you to truly work in it and experience to know what it's like. And I always say, I'm definitely the kind of person that as much research as I can do, as much I can talk to people about it, I don't know how much I enjoy or don't enjoy or I'm a good fit or not a good fit for something until I try it myself. So I love that you talked about how that experience was really your school versus any like of your previous formal training. Isn't that everything once we're we're beyond college? Like, I mean, you kind of like, and sometimes like, high school especially is just like you're, you're learning how to learn right mm-hmm. and I agree and and the, it, it is so ridiculous to expect that everyone would know freshman year the path that they want to take right and like that that it isn't a winding one yeah <laughs> that might move laterally backward there might be ma- major breaks there may be you know I certainly come from a long line of people who who for better for worse try but somehow you've ended up you know through your winding journey but a fruitful one in the world of Hollywood Mm. and you know we know that a lot of the the kind of conversation around Hollywood with our community for a long time was how it it's long lacked diversity now of course that's something that's changing and with greater momentum now given the last couple of years but speaking from your perspective and as someone who has been in the industry when you envision the future of entertainment and of storytelling, what do you see? Like, what kind of worlds and characters would you like to create? I want to see Asian American stories. I want them to not be based in trauma. And if they're trauma, we have to be able to tell our stories. But <laughs> no one else can. Um, but um, I... I I want their you know a- Asian Americans are we say this over and over again and in within our communities we're not a monolith. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see very I want to see diversification in storytelling within within our big umbrella. I want to see like you know excellence and mediocrity. I want us mm-hmm. to have those choices. You know I want us to get to a place where you know we can just it's not about being like. Um, a quota show because what's the problem with that is is like you know as I go and sell things you kind of get a feeling like there's so much sometimes sometimes there's just like this sort of scarcity mentality Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh if if 
if there's already an Asian show, then they're not going to, you know, or right. if there's already a POC show or BIPOC show, then, you know, it's like, what? Like, I, I, I long for the day where, where entertainment is reflective of America, like truly. And, you know, we've made progress. It's never fast enough, right, I guess? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's never fast enough. And I still feel like it's a, there's still a lot of lip service. Hmm. I, you know, I think... Until we, we, until there's like a change of the guard, meaning the people who greenlight, like the gatekeepers, right? Until mm. they start to reflect more of modern day America, that's a good way of putting it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying less white um, <laughs> is when we're going to make true change, right? Because what happens, and and, and I get it, like. How the how the industry sort of kind of continues on as it has for years is that you kind of just like go and hire people who are like you, mm-hmm. meaning people who you are comfortable with, right. right? And so that gets perpetuated. All white male rooms, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and they're de- we again we are making progress. There are way more diverse writers who are doing great stuff, but like mm-hmm. a lot of that is because. There are more showrunners that are mm. diverse. There are more, you know, like it's it's more it's it doesn't. And I and I do feel like the people like the top top percent do not care mm-hmm. because if it, if it was only just about money, there'd be way more shows. Mm. Like if it was really um, if it, and if it was about population, there'd be way more Latin shows. Right. right. They're so be. they're even more underrepresented than we are. And it's bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. James Franco is going to play Fidel Castro. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's true. And and swinging back to, like, if it was about, like, bringing money in, it's like the Fast and the Furious is a highly diverse cast. And Mm -hmm. that makes money hand over fist. So this, like, oh, you know, it doesn't, they don't make money. It's all BS. It's Mm -hmm. all BS. You said so many great things, Kulak. So even like, I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, I, I watched the Fast and Furious franchise. I understand the, uh, the appeal. But I also think what you said a bit earlier was really interesting because this is a conversation I had in the past with some of my friends is that when we talk about giving the opportunity or having given the choice, I think it's really hard when, like you said, the gatekeepers are kind of still the same and they will bring on people they're more comfortable with. But then... It's hard because sometimes I think that like, yeah, if you keep bringing on people you're comfortable with, quote unquote, like white men, they're going to get the experience that's needed to get promoted, to keep climbing the ladder, to become, to to remain our gatekeeper. So it's like if you don't give a chance to people of color, they're not going to have a chance to really get that experience, to really show you that they can they're they're more than capable. But it's just like this cycle that keeps Mm -hmm. happening, you know. Oh, and then lately... Of the last like couple years, I don't know, in a pro- post crazy rich Asian world, what I've been hearing is like agents saying to their like cis white writers, like, sorry, they're just doing way more diversity hires. Like it's, mm. that, which is such bullshit. Wow. And they need to stop saying that. It's so effed up. Like it's so fucked up. Like why? It, that's, it, 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 it's maddening. And it's also like, in the same sense, even if that was true, welcome to our world. Right. Yeah. Welcome. Like, don't get mad at a more even, even playing field. And by the way, it's not even. <laughs> that's true. Well, I actually want to pose a question to you, Kula, because I feel like as someone that's been in these in this industry for so long, and this is something I, I will say gets asked so many times, and I'll be honest, I feel like I hear a lot of, like, frou-frou answers to this question, so I'm very curious to hear your answers to this, but, like, for you, what does representation mean for you? And specifically as someone, you know, that's coming from like, I know you mentioned how like the Asian community is like the Asian American community is so large. It's not like we're not bucketed under like one thing. Um, but for you, especially coming from like the Laotian community, what does that mean for you? Well, I started a group called Los Angeles and and it's and it's the why I started it and our kind of like main sort of like ethos is like to to push our community um Mm -hmm. all the various people from laos which you know is over a hundred uh ethnicities um to push our stories mainstream to push our people mainstream um and that's that is uh you know could be um 
in a narrative way, but it's like our chefs, our our entrepreneurs, you know. It's because when growing up, I didn't I didn't see me anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that type of representation, I think, is so important. And and to to have models um, since you know our by and large our community has been around um, since the big influx was in the aftermath of the secret war the American secret war in Laos which was concurrently uh, with the American mm-hmm. war in Vietnam mm-hmm. so it hurts my feelings <laughs> one that the war was secret two that it's not secret anymore and yet people still don't know how what happened in Laos and um and that there are still the, the, the millions and millions of bombs um, that there that that children uh, are st- and 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 other people of Laos are are still being affected by UXOs who that still explode to this day. Um, and I want to see us. We're 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 a part of this American story. Mm-hmm. So I'd like that to be represented. Um, you know, and we're a small but mighty and fun demo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's sort of like one of the the, the drums that I, I pound on. Mm-hmm. And especially because it's like all of our parents are generally um, refugees and, and war mm-hmm. survivors. And they we stand on their shoulders of their sacrifice, their loss of country, of family, um, their their all the obstacles they had to 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 come to this country and to 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 make it work as best they could um living with the trauma that they had mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. could never dream and imagine um what could be and that's as a you know lao american 2.0 i can do that for mm-hmm. the younger generation right. you know my parents still don't understand what i do <laughs> but since i'm I, I have the things that show that I am successful. They're okay with that. Home, car, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> marriage, these things, <laughs> those markers, they go, okay, <laughs> like right. she's good, you know, um, I can help them out now and again, you know, so that like, but like, yeah, when my mom who can't swim was being ac- pulled across the Mekong River to escape Laos, she didn't dream, gosh, I hope my daughter podcasts. <laughs> they don't know what those are she didn't have the luxury of that but i do i do right and so and i can speak to a life in the arts Mm -hmm. yeah i can speak to not only surviving but thriving i can speak about true integration into Mm -hmm. the fabric of of this country not without its problems. Not it is not smooth sailing, as everybody listening here knows. But I, I it's further along, right? Because I stand yeah. on their shoulders. That's super powerful, and I feel like even nowadays, I feel like even for my family, that like you want to make sure that the stories of your family are getting passed on. And I think as a creative, our medium is storytelling. And if I could, if we could somehow share their stories and also just share the stories of our community, that is. I feel like that's part of not necessarily responsibility, but that's a power we hold and we want to continue. Um, also, just thank you so much for sharing more about like the history of your culture, because I feel like in a lot of ways, to be completely frank, I feel like I don't know much about, you know, is it the Laotian community? Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways when communities feel semi invisible or they're not, their stories aren't shown as much. It's just like it's it's not fair, you know, and I think the, the thing we can do is just to learn more and to hear more about your story, even hearing about your mom who didn't know how to swim but had to cross the river to escape, you know? I think with this history and this background of your family, do you mind sharing with our listeners, like, how did you grow up? Like, what was it like for you, you know, being young Kulop, you know, your family dynamic? And how would you describe yourself as an adolescent? Yeah, so um, I recently, um, in 2019, I... Um, I I put out a documentary that's a autobiography that's called Origin Story and it really explores mm-hmm. what you're talking about um and but I'll go even further um and so that documentary is about how tw- you know when I was 14 I found out my dad wasn't my real dad oh. and it took me 20 years when I was 34 mm-hmm. to really ask the hard follow-up questions and mm-hmm. in the in between it was you know trying to piece together a story 
based on a bunch of unreliable narrators mm-hmm. who have fluid relationships with the truth. But but that incomplete story I let define me for years. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, yes, I was like, I can't deal with this. 14 is already hard already. Uh, oh, my gosh. I I'm I'm not related to the to the parent that I relate the most to and my my relationship with my mom has my mom has been historically very fraught and difficult um so I really just didn't want it <laughs> when it happened um yeah. and so so the documentary is me going to Laos finding my birth father but really, ultimately, finding peace with my mom on our relationship. And then mm-hmm. subsequently, and maybe most importantly, having peace with myself, accepting myself, mm-hmm. finding, uh, yeah, a place where I can truly deal with something so that I could move on. Just, and, mm-hmm. and I got to say, stronger. And, and to, to kind of like hook it to what we were talking about before, it was such a catalyst to my growth. Yeah. Um, because it it will be the hardest thing I believe that I will ever have gone through mm. <laughs> um, every part of that project um, but it forced me to evolve and had mm-hmm. I not done that then I wouldn't have put myself out there for bajillion I wouldn't mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel as comfortable as I do feel in in my skin right that's such a winding way to tell you guys to watch my documentary and you can see it anywhere <laughs> um, except for Netflix. It's on Amazon. It's on, you know, you can get it on iTunes. There's a bunch of places to be voodoo, all those things mm-hmm. with use. Um, but so growing up for me was like it was um, in Minnesota. Um, I was born in Washington, D.C. Then we moved to Minnesota. I had I, I initially grew up with like a white sponsor family that helped my parents kind of like. Uh, acclimate mm-hmm. to America and then that's kind of where the documentary <laughs> comes in because there was a you know a father I didn't know at the time right. but then let's let me dive into some in-betweens where it just was like I was a kid who you know my parents and I learned English at the same rate oh. and I am like my mom in a lot of ways I'm headstrong I think I know what what's right I think I, you know, I know, I think I have a problem with authority. And so her and I always butted heads. Mm -hmm. And of course, only inflamed that, you know, the school and the world that I spent my daytime was very different than the refugee immigrant family that I came home to. So fights about like when brushing teeth, what before eating after eating how to eat string cheese so like mm-hmm. you know she wanted me to eat it like a carrot like a psychopath <laughs> like uh, you know <laughs> so yeah and, and and i've come to a place because of the documentary to have such compassion for my mom mm. and what why she did what she did the factors that mm-hmm. led her to to make choices that while i don't agree with I understand so yeah I kind of was always a kid who was like I'm getting out of here pretty pretty early on like my mom was like if you don't like my rules then you know you can Mm. leave and like as soon as that was a possibility which was going to college I was like here I go Mm -hmm. and so I've been in Los Angeles since I was 18 and I'm 42 now so you've lived like most of your life here. My adult life here, yeah. 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 That was a really long answer to your question. But, <laughs> no, uh, that that was <laughs> perfect. What There's multiple things that stood out to me. Um, mm-hmm. So it does seem like, you know, you've spent over half of your life in Los Angeles, but there was this pre-period of being born in Washington, D.C., being in Minnesota, um, and then living in a family where you have like a white sponsor, you know, family or parents. And that is a is a totally different dynamic as well. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. And for our listeners, if that got you hooked, you got to <laughs> check out Origin Story, as Gulat mentioned, on Amazon Video or anywhere else. Um, yeah, that's fascinating.
Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Back to kind of the career aspect. So with this background and with all of these experiences, you know, you eventually find your way into Hollywood Mm -hmm. and you said first via acting, but first getting to acting even, it wasn't much of a linear path because you shared with us that you actually started in fashion. So being this young girl who grew up in this household with refugee immigrant parents, what were some of the values that your parents instilled in you? Uh, how you know? And then how was your kind of career progression like? When did that happen? When did what was it like making that move to Los Angeles and and all of that? How did you find your way into into this career? Uh, I did theater in high school, and mm-hmm. and you know my parents just was like this was like a a thing to do in like an after school activity. Like it was like you know, kind of like a hobby, like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they assumed it would be. Um, and, I, and I think at that time, it never occurred to me that it could be more than that. Um, mm-hmm. But I got in a lot of trouble because while I was in high school, I think in my uh, in my junior year, I want to say it was my junior year, um, I just did a really stupid thing. Um, and I was working at the Macy's dress department and I was hanging uh, uh, hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And dumb me put two stolen checks into my personal Macy's work account so that me and this friend could go shopping with it. And of course I got busted and of course had to pay restitution. And of course I tried to hide it from my mom. She mm-hmm. found out. And when she found out, all hell broke loose and I was in a play at the time and she was going to pull me out of the play. And Mr. Kim Walton, my English teacher who was directing, begged her to keep me in. And I do think that changed the course of my life. Mm. Wow. Before I decided even in L.A., I was like, well, what do I want to do? I took some I took a fashion fashion merchandising class in high school. Kind of mm. like that. It's like it's not design, but it's like basically retail management or buying and like I like to shop and I work in retail (laughs) so all right let me go go that route and the two possibilities were locations were New York and LA Mm. FIT in New York or Otis here and FIDM why did I choose LA could have been as basic as I didn't have to take the ACT or something like that (laughs) (laughs) I could just take (laughs) Those factors are, you know, decision making when you're when you're yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it's further away from home because LA is mm. definitely more on the west coast. Yeah, it's further away. Is it further away though? Is, is it's it, like, oh, I guess Minnesota. It, yeah, it's really that's smack true. in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but all I knew was I wanted out, and I, I ended up going with Fitum. Um, and then moving out here, um, I I I oh, by the way, I've always worked. Uh, my mom used to own a restaurant. I was, you know, in the back at five working and then mm. a server at 11. And like I and and I've always had a job like well, first job that someone else paid me. I was 13 and I never stopped mm. working from that point on. So um, my parents have always taught me how to make money, uh, how to earn, how to work hard. But not to save uh, <laughs> I always sort of kind of like you know paycheck to paycheck um mm. but I do have a very strong work ethic because of my background I am very um resourceful mm-hmm. um and flexible with um everything including chaos and 
uh, dysfunctionality. <laughs> so mm. I can I, I I can do well in a restaurant. I can do well in virtually any workplace. <laughs> like with that with that in mind. And so I moved on my own to go to Fitum. The the school helped me find three other roommates to stay at the Met, which was a, a, a apartment complex across the street from the from Fitum. And it was a two bedroom, so four girls in that. And it was definitely um, a um, a new experience having come from Minnesota where I could walk at all the space, could walk mm-hmm. anywhere I wanted pretty much any time of the day to at that time this is 1998 los angeles downtown there's no staple center mm. there's no it it was very much a ghost town mm. and pretty scary outside of business hours and i learned pretty quickly that i shouldn't be out at dark <laughs> and have had had a couple like kind of scary run-ins and oh, i wow. And also, I didn't have a car, <laughs> so it was oh, like so it was it was yeah, it was like a you know. But it also was like, hey, I'm out. I'm doing my own thing. I'm yeah. you know, I'm splitting Popov liters of vodka with my roommates now. <laughs> like, what a life! <laughs> so exciting, Los Angeles. Taking the bus to the you know. Five hours to the beach. Whoa. <laughs> like, it oh was my gosh, like, five hours? I mean, it was long. I'm probably, but at the time, there was no rail yeah, anywhere. Yeah, um, I mean, it took a long time. Not five, but eh, substantial. Yeah. Probably three. That's true. Probably yeah. three. And I immediately got a job um, working with a sales rep. Um, and I did, I did work in that industry for, you know, for a while. I was the... I did management. I was the first sales rep for um, uh, Ed Hardy before Christian mm. Adegay bought it and made it as huge as he did Von Dutch. Um, but along the way, I was like, I don't think I want to do this. And so then I started uh, taking classes at Second City. And then Second City led to UCB, led to being booked mm. and stuff. And then the rest was history. Wow. So it was really recalling back to, I mean, in high school, you had done theater, so there was always a bit of a of a spot of that in you, right? Theater yeah. and also was in, I did um, speech and I did mm. hum, humorous interpretation. Ah, that's the link to comedy. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, <laughs> we want to switch gears and now talk about your podcast. So listeners who may not know, Kulop hosts a podcast called Add to Cart with Suchin Pak, um, who is lovely and we interviewed her prior as well. Uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the show, the podcast is not about product reviews, but it's about the things that these ladies buy and what it reveals about who they are, uh, which is brilliant. And it's very, it's it's lovely, it's deep, and it's also really funny. Um, but Cool Up has actually been podcasting for a while now. So from 2010 to 2018, Cool Up, you co-hosted a show called Who Charted on the Earwolf Network. Um can you share with us, like, how did you get into podcasting and what was it like when, you know, how did you find your way into that? So we were the fourth podcast uh, for Earwolf. And I got into it because uh, my husband started the company. And wow. I remember when he was like, cool up. I want to start this company. What is it? It's podcasting. What is that? It's like <laughs> internet. It's like radio on the internet. I'm like, good luck. And... <laughs> And then it's become this huge thing, right? And so he had, you know, and we have such connections in the LA alternative scene. And he is such a smart and enterprising fella. And I married well. And he just sort of built this. And he was the artistic director. um, Kind of built this network from the ground up, uh, selecting shows from, you know, our group, from our community. And so Howard Kramer, comedian Howard Kramer, um, he had this idea for Who Charted. And then Scott basically, and I'd known Howard from our from just us mm-hmm. being at M Bar and Largo and stuff like that. Scott kind of match made us of like, your show's good, but I think you need somebody to help like drive it mm-hmm. and um, have a different flavor than you are. So he put us together, Howard and I, and that he was my pod husband for eight years, one of the longest relationships I've ever had. 
That is a very long time. It's a very long time. and Almost like, a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. And yeah, we were... We were there at the beginning. I mean, this is pre-serial. This is pre, you know, I mean, it's pre a lot of things. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It, it, in podcasting is where I found, in part where I found my voice. Mm. Um, and it certainly, it was the podcasting listeners and community who helped partially fund my documentary. Mm. They paid for half of it, pretty much, and so it 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 it's been a very um, I feel f- so fortunate to kind of to have have been doing it um, for this long, and it, it because it's as you as you both know, this is very intimate. It's mm-hmm. a very intimate medium, um, yeah. and I've gotten just so much out of it. That's amazing. No, we totally agree how it's an intimate medium i have so many questions about this because i feel like this is the first time i think we're speaking with like an og og podcaster who's also asian american and who's also a woman which is great and just like for you as for someone that started so long ago how have you seen that the industry change in the good in good ways or in bad mm-hmm. ways actually with the podcasting industry I remember, gosh, I want to say, I was at the first, um, was it the WNYC Work It? Um, I think it's called Work It, which was like, pod, it was like a podcasting sort of gathering for women. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm saying it wrong, but I was at the very first one. And I was invited to be there. And I remember like, <laughs> um, one of the things they were talking about was just like how like, men hate vocal fry and like how like that's their problem Mm. and stuff and i remember like when we first started who charted like there was like people there would be like dudes that would complain and and i used to like take these these sort of comments on like message boards and like dms and you know to heart and really seriously and took it personally Mm -hmm. where like they'd be like cool up cuts howard down like instead of like you know making fun of him she should be lifting him up and like oh cool up she you know uh, she just sounds like a like a dumb cheerleader like I hate how she always like laughing like it's a fake laugh and like it was all just like this like stuff which like I was like oh man this is so about whatever is happening to you in your life mm-hmm. yeah and also like Howard is fine like Howard <laughs> like you know what I mean don't you worry about your poor Howard like mm-hmm. you he's fine and like ours was a comedic podcast where we were like you know it's like so the disparity of like oh he can make fun of me i can't make fun of him Mm. yeah and and my husband scott has seen this through doing comedy bang bang for i think over 13 years now it's less now but how just like sometimes like people would just like have negative comments it really boiled down because they were female Mm. and i think we have grown from that oh my it just like it's just I just don't like them, you know, and it's like, oh, because, OK, you know, it's like yeah. and he's so good because like what he does is like somebody like any it is practice that he's done since the beginning. He just blocks people. <laughs> he just oh, like blocks yeah. people because it's like, no, no, like it's just the like really it was so wild misogyny, you know, it still pervades. But like the level of misogyny was like t- mm. like. It, it really it really comes forth and I know content creators deal with a lot like you know just these comments of these people and I would just say general anonymous comments mm-hmm. in, you know like <laughs> hiding behind sort of like the anonymity of like social media like you're just like oh god but I did get to a place where I just I, I don't really read reviews I don't really respond to negative comments like I don't really you know I just kind of let it slide off my back like kind of mm-hmm. situation but yeah. yeah how long did it take to to kind of grow that that tolerance for it and and this is mm-hmm. something we've talked a bit about on the podcast too because sometimes we get comments that you know and we always welcome like critique open critique sure, sure. um productive critique but when it's done anonymously and seems like it starts to air on personal attack um <laughs> so how I did think, you what tips do you have for us yeah and by the way i'm not pretend, by any means pretending that things don't get through of course they do right <laughs> that's not a challenge by the way listeners yeah no 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 please don't <laughs> but i think 
I think it is about knowing, having confidence in, in what, what we do and who we mm-hmm. are. If I have done harm, like you said, a critique or if, if it's like, you know, if I'm certainly if I'm asking for advice, you can read something and feel where it's coming from. What's the intent? Mm-hmm. And when it's so obvious that the intent is just like chaotic and mean spirited, that's a hot block. <laughs> that's yeah. a hot block. That's a, that's a lovely delete, you know, because it's like, I don't need this. I feel you. But it really is at this end. It's like it's the confidence of what you are doing, who you are, what what you are doing collectively. That's 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 it always comes back to that. Right. To your mm-hmm. to, to that's your corner. That's your cornerstone mm-hmm. and your north node. Thank you for the advice. I'm just like noting like I tend to just block people now. I'm just like, I don't really want to deal with it. It's just like an easier thing to like, like out of sight, out of mind kind of mentality sometimes. I think we asked this to Suchin when she was on too, but um, on a lighter note, do you mind sharing like one of your favorite episodes you recorded for Add to Cart? Oh, wow. I mean, because we're, okay, what what would it be? <sighs> I think, oh man, I'm just trying to think. I mean, Suchin and I were friends before, but we've obviously become much more embedded in each other's lives and we really enjoy each other so much. So I've just, uh, of a piece, have enjoyed like the deepening of our relationship mm-hmm. um and there's so many like funny episodes that kind of really reflect that but i god it's it is very hard for me to pinpoint that because i do it is such a bright spot every week you know and if it's yeah. just me and her or me her and our producer claire or like we have a guest coming on it's always just so fun so i can't i can't really say Oh, there was one that I really liked. Uh, but also I will say that like I see when we ask people to bring in add to carts, it's of course like, oh, yeah, what's this like thing that you love? Because like I'm, maybe mm-hmm. I want that too. But I find it to be so uh, such a good way to get to know somebody because I think it's very yeah. illuminating to where they are mm. at the moment. Because it's like it's it's like, yeah, it's like the thing you bought. But why did you buy it? Mm-hmm. how does that make you feel why do you love it like those the details that come out from that the conversation that comes from that to me is so in is, is endlessly fascinating so like i mean i i loved the episode we did with um sean clement and hayes davenport which is pretty recently they are the um host of hollywood handbook because i love those guys but also like who knew we were really gonna it, it would be about like intermittent fasting and that it would break down <laughs> in and not only about like co- flavored coffees they like, but like how Sean was upset that like Hayes was doing it for six months, but didn't tell him. And like it just gets to these like because they're like best friends by and large, you know, so it's like all these little things of like, yeah, like why, you know, it, 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 it. <laughs> Sean talking about how he bought off of Instagram a retainer cleaner. And like talking about how he chews the side of his mouth sometimes and like how horrible that is and how he feels bad because he's like, what, I can't even sleep right? Like it gets Mm -hmm. it gets it gets so full and descriptive in that Mm -hmm. because that's what we say. It's like what we buy and buy into. What does that say about who we are? Like, you know, it's like, why does Sucha need to wear full on almost up to her knee hiking socks at all times? Right. (laughs) Like, why does she do that? You know, she because she that's what makes above anything. That's what makes her comfortable. But she is definitely afraid of of drafts. And Mm. (laughs) and, you know, uh, these idiosyncrasies are to me so funny. (laughs) And so like, you know, it's so fun. That's great. Because I feel like actually your guys' podcast probably inspired our we had a team outing and we had to do like an icebreaker so we asked our team like what is a recent purchase you made and that you were really happy about and it i can tell like how like how these like you, something like something mundane like oh you everyone shops online or like buys things but you're like how this connects to like a real like human part of someone mm-hmm. yeah and so even through 
our team answering that, I was like, oh, I like learned a lot about our team members. So I could see if like if you're interested in like diving deep in someone else's like psyche or just seeing how like an object relate and how has an object how an object has meaning. Like Add to Car is such a great podcast for that. Thank you. Um, do you also have any like upcoming topics with the Add to Car you're excited to explore? Well, look, I am. I love the holidays and. You know, I, I, you know, Sujin makes fun of me. Everyone except my, a few friends who are like-minded is like, I am, the tree is up. Last mm-hmm. year it was <laughs> up early enough. I'm before Thanksgiving. I love oh, the holidays wow. so much. So like that's weird. We're, it's basically, in my opinion, everybody's late at this time when it comes <laughs> to in terms of planning for this holiday. <laughs> and did I? Purchase another wreath for the Balsam Hill Christmas in July sale. I did. Did it come <laughs> last week? It did. And I'm ready. I'm ready for an additional wreath amongst all of my other wreaths. Three trees, including a seven-foot wow. bedroom tree. You have a tree in your bedroom? That's oh, right. my gosh. I want to go to cool off size right. for the holidays. <laughs> feel comfy and cozy, sleeping yeah. on my bed, looking at my big ass tree. Oh, <laughs> my husband is just dealing with it. That's true. You know what? I actually think that's a great idea. It yeah. is. It really is. It I'm legit looking around my room like, where can I feel? Yeah, where can you be? <laughs> okay, it came from... I because I love the holiday so much when the pandemic hit and there was a lot mm-hmm. of problems during that and a lot of hardship. But be, I love gathering with people and, you know, I mm. love my husband, but it was just us and our dogs. And I was starting, you know, amongst other things and factors, was feeling super down and depressed. And yeah. I was watching maybe uh, The Princess Switch with Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> and I noticed uh, The Princess Switch 2. Um, and I noticed that uh, the, you know, the queen character, Vanessa, if you guys don't know, um, she ultimately plays like four different characters. <laughs> it's a real switched uh, kind of Freaky Friday thing, but not. Anyways, the queen character had multiple Christmas trees. And so I was like, this will help me. And it did. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. And what does that mean? That void was so wide. I had to fill it with a seven foot tree. <laughs> My so sadness. Gonna, so we're going to actually, so probably in a future episode, when you hear about all your Christmas purchases in the summer then, huh? Yeah. I mean, that. You know, and I did. My friends really are into Spode. I don't know if you guys know about Spode. No, mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard um, it's 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 like a very specific sort of like Christmas like I don't want to say China, but it's like a mm. it's like serving where like my my two of my friends like they have the mugs, they have the trays, they have the oh. the the teapots, and it's sort of like this old timey Christmassy mm. vibe. I'm not that into it, but I was tracking a sale and I was like, guys, this tray, it's only $11. So I'm also like, I'm pushing my agenda on other people. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I mean, nothing, Sujin and I, we both love letting people know about sales. Mm. Letting them know things that I think will help, you know, like get by. Now, of course, material things are not the most important thing, but gosh darn it, do I love them. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, as you know from your podcast, they're always <laughs> reflective of something deeper. So that was a great, yes. that was a great, um, uh, I guess, example of that. Um, but speaking of timelines and how close the holidays are or not, it's um, again, everyone's too late. Uh, yeah, you're not everyone, it's already, about already it now. Late. <laughs> Yesterday, two of my best friends, we've already locked down holiday party dates. I'm just saying. I'm just. Wow. Saying. I'm just. Wow. Saying. I'm just I think saying. it's good. <laughs> you're. I mean, you're like early. You're very, very prepared. Um, but I, I do actually really like this concept about extending the joy that comes from the holiday season, yeah. you know, you know, further into the year. Um, but now that we have five months left of 2022 <laughs> and we know, Kulap, that you're very excited about the holidays. But is there is there like I guess what other things personally and or professionally um, are you really looking forward to for the rest of this year? We're curious. What do you got? What do you got? In the well, I mean, I've got another idea, you guys. I have another yeah. TV idea that at the time of this recording, 
you know, the following Monday, I'll, I shall be taking it out to market. So I'm hoping that I sell wow. something by the end of the year. Fingers crossed. I've been working hard on a new idea. Um, and working with a producer I adore. So we'll see. I love that. The rest of the year, I we brought up Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, work is so... It's so important to me and it is yeah. it's like oh yeah like obviously but like it I like to work right. and what I like is a crowded table um mm. and I I I am somebody who needs to kind of retreat to to build up um, my battery and replenish mm-hmm. my battery but I get a lot of energy from people mm. and what I learned from the pandemic is how much I want that crowded table, be it um, Mm. dinners, gatherings, writer's table, like, you know, Mm. production. I like to create with people. Mm. I like, I like, I like to create, you know, Avenger style situations where everyone is like really good at what they do. And together we make something greater than Mm. we would apart. Mm. I, as a showrunner, I really like tending to an ecosystem because I do think with productions and most things, you set a tone at the top and it filters down. And I like that. I like caring <laughs> about that and and um, nurturing that. Mm. So I really want to do that again in my heart of hearts. Like, eh, I really want another show. Mm. Well, we're going to cross our fingers for you. That sounds And your super. toes, yeah. please. Yeah, and your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show my toes on the camera, but I'm wearing a dress. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. You don't want to see my toes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kulop, where can our listeners follow along um, if they're interested in catching up on your journey for the rest of the year? Uh, I follow me on Instagram. I, I am on Twitter at Kulop, but I'm not really on there that much. I, I My medium right now is Instagram, and that's at I am Kulop. And then for um, uh, you can follow at Takart at at Takart Pod. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Kyle, for joining us for this episode. I am so excited to follow you on your journey, and I'm really appreciative for you sharing your journey with us. And you got me in a holiday mood. Oh, you're yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, okay, you got me really excited yeah. for Christmas. And yes. I'm really thankful for that. It's sparkly. It's fun. There's good food. There's like happy music. There's super dumb movies. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you guys enjoyed this episode, why don't you leave a little Christmas tree emoji in our Instagram post yeah. to Nothing would spread make me that happier. Christmas joy. <laughs> yes. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.